The Disney Plus phenom WandaVision is over. So what's up with the ending and what does this mean for the MCU going forward? I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. As a programming note, I'm actually tied up at a conference this week, so we pre-taped this episode ahead of time and I opted to run this episode today, Wednesday, uh, just to make sure people had enough time to catch the season finale or potentially series finale of WandaVision. So without further ado, let me welcome Sean Keane, who has dutifully recapped every episode this season. Welcome, Sean. Hello, and thank you for having me. And hello, Wednesday. Here we are in the past. There we go. Uh, and before we go further, I'm going to issue one final spoiler warning, because we are not going to hold back. We're just going to talk about everything. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, go ahead and stop this podcast and check it out later. Definitely check it out later, but I would, I would again, suggest you, you hit stop if you are keen on watching WandaVision Fresh. All right. I think we're good. Okay. Sean, let's just let's just go right on at it. What did you think of the finale? I thought the finale was pretty great. Uh, initially, I was a little bit cold on it, I must confess, because there were lasers. They were shooting lasers at each other in the sky, which is every superhero movie ever. Yeah, they were they were thrown, and and you know they it, it was um it was a little almost too predictable the rune thing and having all the the rune like they had set that up like two episodes before or last episode I guess last episode and it was just sort of it was almost it was a little too predictable it was very like very much like a, a typical cliched superhero finale which he he turned around the 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 arch nemesis is like strength against him and her in this case it, it did feel a little, like a little trite especially for those i think who were following all of the fan theorizing online because there was a lot it was it was rampant and while that definitely worked for the show in terms of promotion like it made people more aware of it i don't know if it worked as much for an audience member because it set up certain expectations and a lot of them wouldn't have been met um but like so my initial viewing was a bit like oh that was that was good but i wasn't entirely satisfied on the second viewing i liked it more okay well let's uh Let's break down the ending because uh, it, you know, it's yes, there was that the typical superhero clash, Wanda, Wanda versus Agatha. But the end, like what in the end, really, Agatha was sort of a, a minor villain. Like in my mind, Agatha or uh, Wanda was actually the villain of the story in some ways, right? Right. Yeah. She was simultaneously the protagonist and antagonist, which is pretty fascinating, especially since I thought before this. She, her character really, like, didn't do much. You know, she didn't have that much to do. She didn't have that much development before this show. She was just there. She had magic abilities. Whatever. This, I think, like, really dive into her emotions and, like, what the trauma of, like, having, watching Vision be killed by Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. I have to think about the titles. <laughs> well, not just that, right? But her brother dying in Avengers Age of Ultron, her parents dying in a, a bombing, which they show fairly graphically here in the, in the show. Like it, 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 I did, I think it did make a good point that she has endured just trauma over trauma and has built up over time. I don't necessarily know. And I feel like the show kind of lets her off a little bit on the fact that she in turn traumatized an entire town 
in New Jersey. And uh, there was that one uh, line that Monica Rambeau says where she like, when she, at the end, they like get back together or they, they encounter each other. And she's like, they'll never know what you gave up, which, yeah, okay. She gave up her, her imaginary or made up husband and kids. But at the same time, she has spent a couple of days just mentally destroying an entire town of people. Yeah, she cannot go back to Westview ever. No, no, uh, no. They, yeah, they they would they would have burned that witch pretty quick, I think. Yes. Well, um, so yes, there, there was the ending, uh, which she, she flew away. She she ends up in her Scarlet Witch garb, which is a pretty cool costume. Um, and then there are the the two. Uh, endings after the proper ending. There's the mid mid credit ending and the post credit scene. Can you break down for our readers what the heck was happening in both of those scenes? Okay, so in the mid credit scene, Monica Rambo, who's has gained superpowers, uh, is brought into a theater by an FBI agent who reveals herself to be a scroll, And it sure sounds like she is working for Nick Fury, uh, who is the former S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And the last time we saw him was he was in space. And, and that was actually chronologically in the future from this show because Spider-Man Far From Home takes place a few months later. Um, right. But presumably he's, he's, he's in space. Um, and so she'll go off to some sort of space adventure. Specifically, she, the scroll, said a, a friend of your mom's, right? Which, right. Uh, last time they hung out together was was in Captain Marvel, and so this seems like a good setup for Captain Marvel too, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. Um, yeah, Mo- Monica's this. It was a sort of a secondary plot with her gaining powers and everything, but it was pretty fascinating, um, and perhaps didn't go as far as I'd like within WandaVision. There was, I was, it, it did feel like she was sort of introduced and she was a likable character and one you sympathize with, but ultimately had very little to do with the ending beyond, I mean, she, there was one scene where she's, you know, put herself in front of uh, the children to save them, although they weren't technically real, or maybe they are, I don't know. But she had this one superhero moment and then she had that interaction with Wanda but that was kind of it, and she didn't play as big of a role. It almost felt like her presence here was really a way, a vehicle to give her her powers so that she could have more of an impactful role in in the next Captain Marvel movie. Right, yeah. And yeah, like the MCU has been guilty of that. It's kind of setting up one thing for the future. Yeah, uh, yeah. To the detriment of other things. And I don't think it was necessary to the detriment of the overall plot here. It felt it worked pretty well. It just didn't reach a climax with her. Right, right. Uh, and ultimately, like this is a story about grief, right? Getting over tremendous loss. We talked a little bit about the, the trauma that, that Wanda had encountered. You know, we didn't talk about sort of the, the emotional ending in which Vision and her sort of say goodbye, although they kept hinting very strongly that this is, well, you know, it's not a good, well, we're saying goodbye, which means we'll say hello again, which I guess brings me up to what the, uh, the white version of Vision, the albino Vision, uh, which is the, which uses the actual body of Vision, but not the soul, although now it has the memories. It kind of it flew away after an encounter with uh, imaginary Vision, I guess. Right. This is getting kind of confusing to describe, but 
What what do you think happens with that? Is that and also does that the fact that he's around and potentially can reunite with Wanda does that undercut the whole notion, the theme of getting over or getting past your grief, which is ultimately what this I feel like the show was about. I would say so. Admittedly, Wanda doesn't seem to know about White Vision. So as far like well, she uh, did. I mean, he did. Try to kill her. Oh yeah, she, she, she doesn't necessarily know how that resolved itself. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. So it seemed like White Vision was regaining his original memories, uh, having been touched by the magical vision. Uh, right. The she she even said that he's you know he was her you know love. Like the, there was an element of the Mind Stone within that imaginary vision that it seemed that he imparted upon white vision, right? Right. So, like, I feel like the subtext was that, like, that white vision will ultimately become, like, a merged version of those visions, the original vision. Right. Plus that Westview version of vision. Uh, Which, again, does that undercut a bit the whole notion of, like, getting over your loss when, like, in a subsequent movie... Perhaps in, uh, was it Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, which I think she's going to be in. Yes. Maybe he pops up again like, hey, I'm back. <laughs> I'm fine. Don't worry remember about that, it. Remember that show? <laughs> Don't worry about it. We're good. I mean, that's us anticipating it. But it's it certainly like it, the suggestion was there that yes, like all like Wanda's sacrifice will ultimately be undone. Yeah. Which, yeah, like that is... One of my fa- least favorite, like tropes in fiction, the idea that like the consequences are undone ultimately. Right. Which I mean, to be fair, is a, a very standard comic book trope. True. Yeah. You know, we we didn't get into the the post credit scenes. We got off to a bit of a tangent, but <laughs> yes, talk about that because that when I first saw it, I was a little confused. Um, you know, this is Wanda in a cabin somewhere far away. Probably the same cabin that that uh, Edward Norton stayed in when he was Incredible Hulk. It just, you know, that 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 remote cabin that they all kind of check into when they need to get away. <laughs> I thought uh, it was very. I thought it was very Wolverine. Oh yeah, there's Wolverine out in his yeah. remote ca- cabin. Let his bloodlust overtake him. <laughs> well, so Wanda was there, or at least two Wandas. Explain to me what was going on, because I. Couldn't quite grasp it. <laughs> Full disclosure: the first time I saw this scene, I thought, "I don't even know what this is. What do I write?" Then I mulled over it, and so it seems like so she, we see her outside the front. She goes in, and she's boiling a kettle for tea, and her what seems to be her astral self is reading the Darkhold, which is like this magic book, uh, and she he- hears what sound like. Uh, Billy and Tommy, who vanished with the Westview illusion, uh, calling for help, which suggests that they're out there somewhere. And somehow real. Yes. So, Which I, I, I was thinking maybe theoretically they're from an alternate universe, maybe? Right. If we're, if we're talking multiverse here? Oh, well, okay. So in the comics, I had to think long and hard about their their comic history because it's really complicated. Uh, so in the 80s, there was a storyline where Wanda and Vision had two kids uh, and it was ultimately revealed that they were created by Wanda's magic from fragments of the demon Mephisto's soul. Uh, and Mephisto 
reabsorbed them. And Wanda's memories were of this were erased to spare her the trauma. Uh, but Billy and Tommy were reincarnated as the children of other parents, two separate families, and they ultimately found each other and learned of their history, um, and they became the heroes, Wiccan and Speed. Right, which we saw, which we kind of saw a little bit of that, like their Halloween costumes sort of hinted at what they might be in the future, and knowing Disney, they're probably already set up with like a three-movie picture deal or something down the line. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 interesting to me. Yeah, you brought Mephisto, which was never mentioned on the show at all, but was was definitely a big um, was something that fans had speculated about pretty much since the beginning of the show, right? Which uh, and Mephisto for folks folks aren't steeped in Marvel lore is essentially like the devil in Marvel, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, and he is always part of ludicrously complicated stories which obviously they're kind of good to enjoy while they're happening but to like look back at them or try to explain them i'm like i i I can't even (laughs) um but like yeah so like watching the fan theories online like literally everything was mephisto um yeah you you made that point earlier like the the fan speculation was great for driving interest i mean it crashed disney plus twice as far as i know uh but I think it definitely set expectations up a little too high. I mean, we had uh, we didn't even talk about, by the way, uh, Pietro, Pietro, fake Pietro, <laughs> who ended up being uh, Ralph Boner, well, like, and the architect of of one of the the worst grown worthy jokes ever when he just went Boner. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which, right. Um, which <laughs> ended up being such a disappointment because I think there's so many people thinking this is it. This is when the X Men show up. This is the the entry into the MCU. But he's just he's just another dude, or is he? Well, I refuse to give up and let go of those straws I'm grasping at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he looks and sounds exactly like the. Fox X-Men universe right. version of the character who whom everyone loved. And obviously like that that was leaning in his presence in the show was leaning into that. But I do think that the door is open for him to be like an echo of that universe. <laughs> I, as I said, grasp, grasping at straws. Yes. Well yeah, I, I did find that that was a little bit of a of an underwhelming resolution to it, but you're right. Maybe this hints at just like every other Marvel, other aspect of, of Marvel properties, it's, it's hinting at something else down the line. Uh, overall, what did you think of the show? Did you enjoy it? Yes, I liked it very much. I I felt like as a week to week experience, it was excellent. I tend to prefer getting a show week to week than the the binge model because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. able to process each episode fully as opposed to just rush through it all and then forget it like I, I i agree like when you binge through a show you're like that's great that was awesome you think about it for a little bit and then like you're on to the next show right done. yeah it, it makes entertainment feel more disposable and there are no water cooler moments um yeah they're they're virtual water coolers that we all have now and then lastly falcon the winter soldier is coming up next when does it premiere and what do we know about it so it premieres on friday march 19th um, which is soon, and it 
is so at the one of the last scenes of Avengers Endgame saw an old Steve Rogers handing over the shield and the Captain America mantle, presumably, to Falcon. Um which is a really cool prospect. And it seemed like Bucky, who was Cap's partner back in World War II, uh, seemed to be okay with it. Um, but in the trailers that we've seen for Falcon and Winter Soldier, there seemed to be a little bit of tension between the two. Right. And they're going on a fun adventure together. Yeah, definitely not WandaVision. I feel like this is this is uh, a completely different direction or different tone than what we've had with the last show which is nice like i'm i I like that the the shows are kind of reflecting the different elements of the mcu and i'm a huge fan of the espionage side of the mcu i think uh captain america the winter soldier which has a confusingly similar title to this show um is among the best mcu movies because it has that big huge hydra twist um, yeah, I want to say it might be my favorite one, actually. Yes, up I, there. I still think so, too. Like, like, I like a lot of what's come since, and I think the MCU has really hit its stride in the last, well, since about 2018, but I think that that was an earlier standout. Um, and I'm hoping that we get some similar paradigm-shifting twist in the Falcon and Winter Soldier show. All right. Well, Sean, thanks for your time. And thank you, listeners, for indulging us in this uh, lively discussion about all things Marvel. You can check out all of our MCU coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.